Welcome to the Tech Legal Matters podcast by iAfrican Radio. Since 2015, we at iAfrican.com have been doing research and publishing about significant data breaches and leaks across Africa. Some we have reported on publicly, while others were too sensitive and we simply notified the relevant authorities without publicly reporting on them. During the same period, we have also researched and reported extensively on cybersecurity, privacy, and data protection-related matters across Africa. What we have always observed is that not many people and organizations understand the legal implications of the various technologies that they use. In this podcast, we will explore these topics and more with a specific focus on the intersection of technology and the law, how that affects you as an individual, but also from a business perspective. New episodes of the Tech Legal Matters podcast will be broadcast every Friday. The podcast will also feature analysis, insights, and commentary from attorneys who specialize in information and communications technology law. My name is Defo, and I will be your host. This episode of the Tech Legal Matters podcast is a recording from the World Cybersecurity Summit, Africa Edition 2020. The event was successful in bringing in fresh narratives, innovative ideas and awareness on key areas such as cyber threat intelligence, data governance, data privacy and cyber relations across Africa. I'd once again like to thank all our sponsors and partners, our platinum sponsor, East Vantage, our gold sponsor, Know Before, our PR partners, Palorma International Limited, our podcast partner, iAfrican. So, well, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the government panel discussion on the topic, National Cyber Defense Strategy, the African Approach. Well, uh, we're talking about how Kenya Data Protection and Privacy Act is impacting the cyber threat landscape. We're talking about African government initiatives to protect critical infrastructure, stopping cyber attacks before they start, law enforcement to combat uh, cyber crimes, and the national public key infrastructure implementations. Well, for the panelists, we've got with us uh, the Deputy Director, IT Audit, Department of Rural Development and Land Reform, South Africa. Well, Demba is a manager, information systems audit, and a certified ethical hacker currently working for the National Department of Agriculture, Rural Development and Land Reform in South Africa. A total of 16 years of government experience, eight of which is an experience on the information systems audit, which covers application control and general controls. We've got with us uh, Peter Kahigi, the Director, E-Government Services, National Information Technology Authority, Uganda, who's joining us. Well, Peter, with over 20 years of experience in the delivery of complex, secure, successful IT projects and enterprise risk management, he is a part of the panel of eminent experts at the Global Center for Cybersecurity University of Oxford. He's also a member of the Executive Committee of the Commonwealth Cyber Crime Initiative, the Information Security Forum, the IC, the International Information System Security Certification Consortium. In the light of his achievements, Peter was recognized as a top uh, CIO in Africa for the year 2008 at the prestigious African Achievers Awards. We also have uh, Rebecca Kelly joining us, uh, Head of Security and ICD Audit uh, Division in the Ministry of ICD and Innovation and Youth Affairs Kenya. Well, Rebecca is the current, uh, current head of the Security and ICD Audit Division in the Ministry of ICD Innovation and Youth Affairs, Kenya. 
Duties uh, include security policy formulation and implementation development of ICT security and audit strategies and capacity building of IS security for ICT officers deployed in various government ministries, departments and agencies. We also have Ashish Khanna, ISO Dubai Health Authority UAE. Ashish Khanna is an information security officer expert working with renowned government entity in Dubai, a position he has held since 2015. He's also experienced information security strategist and has managed a portfolio of mission critical projects. We also have Muyo, uh, Cybersecurity Operations uh, Manager and Senior Cybersecurity Specialist Council of Scientific and Industrial Research South Africa. Well, Muyoga has uh, five years of working experience with Telcom SA Limited as a strategy architect in designing data center networks. Muyoba is uh, currently the interim Cybersecurity Operations Manager and Senior Cybersecurity Specialist at the Council of Scientific and Industrial Research. Well, the, this is going to be moderated uh, by Tefo, uh, editor at large, iAfrican Media South Africa. Tefo is the co founder and CEO at iAfrican Media, technology company building digital platforms to engage African audience. With under, with just under 20 years of experience in the information and communications technology sector in Africa, he's occupied various ICD positions in various organizations spanning software engineering, infrastructure management, project management, and much more. So ladies and gentlemen, with this, I pass on to Tefo for taking it forward with his uh, incredible panel joining us. Over to you. Thank you, Bavana, for that great introduction. And I'd like to welcome all our panelists today. Uh, I think we're going to focus on two key areas as far as uh, national cyber security is concerned across the African continent. The first one is we'll be looking at how African governments are protecting key infrastructure as far as cyber threats are concerned. And the second key point we'll be covering in this panel is about laws that are implemented in various African countries as far as uh, mitigating cyber crimes are concerned. But before we get to those key questions, I'd like to start uh, with a question. Maybe our panelists can give us just an idea briefly on some of the cybersecurity threats and trends they've seen in their individual countries, just so that we can get an idea if we have common threats that are occurring across the continent and perhaps how they've been mitigating them. I think we can start with Muyowa. All right. Good morning, everyone. So my name is Muyowa. And I just wanted to share some of the threats and um, incidents that we've seen in South Africa over the past couple of five years. And we've seen targeted attacks towards government entities, the public sector, for a number of reasons. And in these, they've, they've started from exposure of critical information to anything within the public sector that has to do with politics, uh, whether it's emails, whether it's tenders and so on. The other thing that we've also seen is this so-called drive against corrupt governments. So South Africa has also experienced that where a number of hacking groups have um, made it their, their personal mandate to, to, to fight the war against what they deem as corrupt governments. The thing that we've also seen is that the public sector hasn't only been the only um, industry that has been affected, but also the private industry as well, with a number of financial institutions that had suffered uh, data breaches. Um, some of our banks last year had um, denial, distributed denial of service 
And currently at the moment, South Africa is actually dealing with a major data breach with regards to personal identifiable information to customers in the banking industry. And as a result, we expect quite a high spike in, in terms of phishing emails. So in essence, that is, that is what has been happening in South Africa over the, the, the last five years. Thank you. Thank you, Muyowa. Uh, Peter, could you perhaps share some of the cyber threat trends you've seen in your country? Thank you very much. Good morning. My name is Peter. I'm from Uganda. As you might be aware, Uganda is one of the countries with a high online in index. And we have over 400 public services that are fully online. This is ranging from application for a visa, investor care, and facilitation to application of tourism permits. As a result, we have a huge surface for attack. Some of the major threats we are seeing ranging from malware, people just trying to get into your device so that they can get your passwords and they can do things using your accounts to phishing. Some money in the middle attacks, although not too many these days. And of course, some attempts to do DDoS attacks. That said, Uganda is still ranked amongst the top three countries in Africa for cybersecurity. Of course, we never say that because every time you say that, then you, you interest those who want to disprove your resilience. But that is, it's really between malware, phishing, man in the middle, a few zero-day attacks and some DDoS attacks. Thank you very much. Thank you for that, Peter. And it's quite interesting given uh, Uganda's index, as you mentioned. I think we can now move on to Rebecca to just share briefly some of the cyber threat trends she's observed. Uh, thank you. My name is Rebecca, representing the Minister of ICT and Ether Affairs in Kenya. Some of the threats that uh, have been witnessed in our cyberspace include uh, malware attacks, that is the largest type of attacks that we have in the country. We also have the denial of service. Our country has taken most of the government services online through a centralized portal, the, what we call the e-citizen portal. At times we encounter these attacks where there's the denial of service. And then we also have other attacks that are related to impersonations, especially these attacks are relating to people, high ranking government politicians, or people of high net worth that uh, are being used by criminals to impersonate them and uh, defraud the public or do character assassination through that. Uh, we have a vibrant mobile and internet banking industry. And also we are also witnessing a rise in crimes, computer related crimes related to the online and the mobile banking sector. That's interesting. We, we're getting a lot of common sort of threats across the continent. But before we summarize on that, I'd like to also move to Temba, who can perhaps share threats, as Muyowa has shared some general threats in South Africa. Perhaps, Temba, you can share with us some threats that you've observed against government entities in South Africa. Good morning. Thanks, Stefan. Uh, I think Muyowa has already touched on some of um, the threats that I know. But uh, I would like to, you know, highlight the issue of ransomware. You know, government entities, I think, like uh, your, I think it's, it's, it's around Jobek Metro. They did suffer some, you know, attacks. And then we also had some insurance uh, companies, which also experienced some ransomware attacks. 
Yeah, and then other things that uh, we were also a problematic, it's especially in government, you know, phishing emails and spear phishing emails where certain individuals, high profile individuals are being targeted, you know, so that they could be able to be used or get some information from them which can be used against the government. Uh, yeah, malware, I, I think it's one of the things that, you know, uh, other participants have already indicated, but yeah, I think in government, we're also experiencing a lot of those. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for that, Temba. Ashish can perhaps give us, because we've heard some of the threats across the African continent, perhaps share some of the threats you've seen in your country, which is the UAE, and see if there's a common thread across uh, different continents. Absolutely. Thank you for making me part of this panel. Hi, this is Ashish Khanna. So uh, there have been a lot of different kinds of threats, you know, that have been seen across different UAE public sector firms. Most commonly, they have been advanced persistent threats. They are targeted at the business of uh, a particular government agencies. If you talk about healthcare, healthcare one of the most important sectors at this point of time, where the world is facing this pandemic situation. The hackers are targeting healthcare infrastructure big time with phishing attacks, spear phishing attacks, uh, and also with targeted attacks which are related to malware delivery through USBs or you know various other medium by VPN breaching. So mostly the government entities have been the the target here than the private sector because the UAE has always uh, been on top of their social and cultural status across uh, across the globe which which also invites hackers to to target the government agencies here thanks for that ashish i think given these threats and listening to all of you i've observed that there's common threads across uh, all these threats is uh, ddos denial of service attacks malware seems to be picking up uh, a little bit of data breaches in sort of in, in specifically in south africa but phishing attacks as well now, the next question to all panelists is that given that there are these attacks in your government, is there a coordinated effort to try and mitigate these threats or are you dealing with them in silos and what are the disadvantages and advantages of all this? We can kick off with uh, Rebecca on this one. Sorry, I did get that correctly. I was saying that in terms of all these threats, we've, we were observing certain common threats across different countries. What I'd like to find out and for our attendees is is there a coordinated effort from the Kenyan government to deal with these threats or is each organization within government dealing with them in a silo on their own? Thank you. In Kenya, we have a cyber ecosystem with many players, but all coordinated. We have uh, institutions within the Ministry of ICT, in the finance and in the Ministry of Interior and the coordination of national government, which houses the security organ of the government. And we have our communications authority, which also is the national SOC. And uh, it has the national cyber instance response team that now is the central point of focus where the investigators that the, the division of uh, criminal investigation uh, liars with to get uh, these threats and do analysis of the threats so that they now they can forward to the prosecution. For Kenya, it is a collaborative effort with various players in various sectors the banking sector, we are led by the Central Bank of Kenya, they, and uh, they also liars with our communications authority to also be able to analyze the risk involved in it. And then after the 
persons affected or the companies affected or the institutions effect, are affected, they are given advisory and alerts through from the communication authority. So for us, it's a collaborative eco ecosystem that we have in managing the cyber threats in the country. Are you seeing any benefit from having a coordinated uh, approach to dealing with cyber threats? Yes. One is because the threat multi-sectoral, and again, we have uh, various ways of discharging justice. So when we have the multi-sector approach in investigation, then we are able to carry out the process to the end. For example, if the central bank uh, gets to get the crimes in the banking sector, they can only report to the office of the deputy prosecution so that it is taken to court. And then, then the judicial, the judicial uh, process takes over from there. So we have an advantage in working with the many players together, rather than silos, in that the process is hastened and sharing of information to have in-time nabbing of the criminals is uh, effective. Okay, that makes sense and sounds successful. Perhaps Temba, you can come in here and share with us from a South African perspective if there is a coordinated effort to deal with the cyber threats that Muyowa and yourself mentioned, and if there are any benefits or disadvantages to this. Um, okay, therefore, I believe in South Africa, there is some uh, form of coordinated approach, but it is much more of an approach of a criminal, you know, investigating, investigation kind of an approach where instances of attacks are being reported you know, to criminal investigators to investigate them. But as for the coordinated approach to say, there is a coordinated approach that is specifically dealing with these cyber attacks. I think from where I am, I can't have the, the bigger view of how this coordinated approach, uh, coordinated approach um, uh, could be working, except to say these are reported by whoever is, is affected by any condition that is affected or any company that is affected, they report these and then the, 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 the police, the National Prosecuting Authority and the Hawks in some instances uh, where this, uh, you know, is, is somehow seen as, you know, a work of a syndicate, the Hawks get involved and the, the state security uh, is a sector that is responsible uh, for protecting the country from um, cyber, cyber cyber attacks yeah i think so i think there is some form of uh, coordinated approach at least at the high level so yeah whether how effective it is i think it's it's it's, it's another debate i think moya maybe can add on that. yeah Muyawa, you want to jump in on that and, and share how if there is a coordinated effort and whether it's successful or not in south africa all right yeah sure i can add when you look at what temba has mentioned and, and the challenge that also Rebecca has mentioned is that a lot of sectors within any country have been working in silos previously, and that has been the case in South Africa. And when you look at our banking industry in South Africa, they managed to create um, a good body, which is SABRIC, to basically coordinate um, attacks on any of the banks. So if a particular bank sees an attack through one of its vectors, that it has within its environment, it's able to share that information securely to the other banks in order to mitigate or prevent the same attack. And so when the government looked at um, the way Fabric, uh, sorry, the way Sabric um, played a crucial role in, in, in reducing the number of successful attacks in the banking industry, what the government then did was they passed the National Cybersecurity Policy Framework and that basically gave birth to the national security cybersecurity hub and, and and the idea of the hub 
although it's still at its early stages, is to basically coordinate and create sector CSERTs, computer incident response teams in every sector. So, for example, if you look at the mining sector, which is one of the biggest sectors in South Africa, the idea is to have some sort of sector CSET in that industry. If you look at agriculture, look at education, look at health, not only in the banking industry, but the idea is to have a coordinated sector CSET. And all of these CSETs would eventually then feed into the National Cybersecurity Hub. And although it's still at its early stages, it's, it's showing a lot of promise in the sense that a lot of organizations are now beginning to approach the cybersecurity hub in order to get an idea of how they can implement different um, sector CSETs in their industries. And, 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 and so from a South African perspective, this has been the, the first steps or the initial steps towards having this coordinated our defense against cybercrime in the country. Thank you. I just want to jump in there quickly and thank you for that comprehensive answer. What I want to ask is we've seen a, still talking about coordinated efforts, we've seen a rise specifically in South Africa compared to the rest of the continent on data breaches. Is there a coordinated effort to deal specifically around data breaches? I know we've got the Protection of Personal Information Act, but is there any coordinated effort to try and mitigate these? Well, there isn't a 100% mature coordinated approach in in essence. What I mentioned was we're just taking the initial steps, especially when you look at the the, the Poppy Act. I know we're going to talk about it later on, and we're going to talk about some other laws. These are the first steps in in establishing in South Africa the equivalent of um, the European GDPR. And, and, And from that perspective, South Africa is getting, starting that journey on a road to have a coordinated approach where in each of the industries, incidents are logged, incident customers are notified, and, and, and once they, they, these things are in place, it, it actually puts us in a position where we can then have more, I don't know what's the word for it, but a coordinated approach that would lead us towards reducing the number of breaches. Because the truth of the matter is South Africa has seen a lot of um, breaches over the last five years, whether in the public industry or in the private sector. So the idea is to try and reduce those because... Yeah, the constitution covers the, 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 the protection of its citizens, and, and that includes private information that could lose, lead to, to the compromise of citizens losing their rights. So, so in essence, these are baby steps um, that South Africa is taking towards trying to have this coordinated approach. Thank you. Thank you for that. Peter, in uh, Uganda... Sorry. Oh, sorry, you want to jump in there, Temba? Yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm for... Okay, yeah, no, it's fine. I wanted to add on what Mia was saying. I think the stuff is currently on, is about maybe to be passed, I, I guess. But I think in general, are there laws which are specific to cybersecurity, which are dealing specifically with uh, cybersecurity? You know, you, 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 yes, we do have a lot of legislations, but when you try and you know, try and analyze them in terms of saying, how are they specifically dealing with cybersecurity? I think this is sort of a gray area there that, you know, it's, it's one of the things that, you know, Afri- Af- uh, Africa and even South Africa, for that matter, should, should improve on. Yeah, I agree, and we'll get, to the, we'll, we'll get to the cyber laws just now. I just want to get to Peter. In terms of Uganda, are there any coordinated efforts to reduce cyber threats in the country? Thank you very much. Thank you, Tefo. In Uganda, we have a 
a close collaboration between the public and private sectors because a lot of our critical information infrastructure is held by the private sector. So we have a fusion of all these holders and they're fused into a group called the National Information Security Advisory Group. So what this group does is it sits maybe quarterly and they review the National Risk Register or update it. But when there are incidents, they do breakaway teams to support specific sectors. So for instance, if there was a breach within the financial services sector, then the National Information Security Advisory Group would have a breakaway team with specialized people from different disciplines. And those people would then help uh, that particular organization within the financial services sector to determine the root cause analysis and then eventually solve the problem and update the National Risk Register. Uh, that's what we're doing in Uganda. Thank you. Has that been effective so far? Are you seeing any sort of reduced threats as far as having a coordinated effort goes? To an extent, it has been. When I say what I have just told you, it's this is something that has happened over the last two years. We still have issues the way Kiari talked about what, what is happening in Kenya. We still have issues where some institutions have uh, a finicky about declaring breaches or declaring the cyber insecurity. As a result, sometimes we never get to know what, what happens until much later. But to a great extent, since we started collaborating, it has been effective. Of course, when you have breaches, you have to have a lot of trust amongst those people who come to work together. Because a lot of people, some, if you look at the cluster of financial services, for instance, many of the members are competitors amongst themselves. So they, they, sometimes they are loath to share as much information when their competitors are seated at the table. But to an extent has been successful. Thank you. Thank you for that. Ashish, you want to jump in there from a UAE perspective? Does, does a government in various uh, areas have a coordinated effort? Yeah, absolutely. In UAE, the security and the government entities collaborated with the private entities. We have a very mature cybersecurity cycle that revolves around both public and private sectors. Uh, we have the National Electronic Security Authority, which is a government body tasked with protecting the U.S. critical information structure and improving national cyber security at different levels and different structures uh, of, the, uh, of the country. At locally, we also have Dubai Electronic Security Center, which is tasked at protecting Dubai's critical uh, information and adding that to the National Electronic Security Authority. And uh, these two entities produce regulations. Uh, you know, mark my words, it's a regulation. It's not a standard, so you don't have a choice to, to either you know, opt out of it. And also there's one critical aspect that I've taken here that's learning from various standards globally that they define a particular scope. So these regulations do not define the scope. That means you cannot limit your ICT departments uh, within private or you know, uh, government entities. It has to be implemented across the organization. So even if you are a uh, let's say for a healthcare entity, you are a clinical department, uh, administrative department, a financial entity. So you, you have certain applicable controls that you need to follow and that you need to abide by, and then they get regularly audited. 
So there is a complete cycle that goes around annually, which revolves around the principles of plan, do, check, and act, which gives every entity uh, a reason and an opportunity window to continually improve their cybersecurity posture. So this results in a much more matured state of, of you know, cybersecurity. And also from technology perspective, Dubai has, which is called as Dubai Cyber Index. What happens is that every government entity reports their cyber index to, to this centralized uh, dashboard, which is seen by His Highness. And this cyber index rates these entities in their cybersecurity posture, giving them, you know, which, which injects that competition and which results in, you know, healthy criticism of uh, what is required to be done at different government entity levels, resulting in, you know, better control over their information as well as better capabilities to deal with cybersecurity. That is quite interesting. And thanks for sharing that, Ashish. Now, we, all these threats and having a coordinated effort is great and well, but we need certain laws or countries need to enact regulations or laws to be able to enforce sort of mitigating against these threats. What I'm interested in finding out, and I'm sure our attendees are also interested in finding out, is the various laws that Uganda, Kenya, the UAE and South Africa perhaps have in place to mitigate against uh, the various different types of cyber threats. And again, I'll start with uh, Rebecca in Kenya. Uh, thank you. In Kenya, we have various laws, but two of them are major in handling cyber crimes. And one of them is the Computer Misuse and the Cyber Crimes Act. This one deals with misuse of any computer-based device for mobile phones, servers, data centers, normal desktops. And it entails the prosecution or criminalizing things like unauthorized access, misuse of data. And in the act, we designated some of the things like computer systems, networks, data is critical information infrastructure. So anything that a criminal perpetrates using that is a crime, is designated as a crime. And also child pornography under the child online protection, also contained in the act, is also designated as a crime and is prosecuted, is a prosecutable of. And then uh, we have the Data Protection Act 2019. This one was acted, uh, enacted uh, last year. And uh, we have regulations of it uh, in place. Others are still being uh, put in place. Currently, we do not have the Office of the Data Protection uh, Commissioner in place, but the government is already in the process of uh, recruiting one so that uh, the person, the holder of the office can uh, be the person liable to guide the country on the regulations that need to be enforced. However, this act is already applicable and we've seen already some uh, court proceedings that are based on the acts. And in these uh, acts, uh, the data subjects is given a preeminence in that uh, the data concerning a subject is an asset. And therefore, to use a subject's data, you need to have authorization to use it. And infringement of that is a crime. Yes, so those are the major laws that govern cyber protection, cyber threats, mitigations in the country. We have the national ICT policy and this one is progressive. The act 
borrow heavily from it. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Peter, in Uganda, are there any laws regarding things like uh, data protection, cyber, cyber crimes that have been enacted? Yes, so as far back as 2011, we enacted our Electronic Transactions Act, which puts electronic transactions at the same level as later our written contract with some, some reservations around wills and codicils, which still have to be done uh, manually. We have an Electronic Signatures Act, which uh, allows the recognition of digital signatures. And right now, with the current situation we're in, where we're all working remotely, personally, part of the thing that would waste a lot of my time was signing documents, letters, going out to different agencies. And that would take about 10% of my time on particular days. But now I'm able to attach an electronic signature and when the letter gets to the recipient, they can validate the signature and accept that this letter actually came from me. So even when we had those, the laws, some of the implementations took, took time or some of them have, have been forced by the situation that we're living in, especially with the COVID-19 situation that we're living in right now. We do have a, a Computer Misuse Act, which is a self-regulating law. Uh, and this one is, is the, more of the punitive one, which stipulates what happens to you if, if you misuse the computer or if you enter somebody's computer without their permission and things like that. And in January this year, we enacted our Data Protection and Privacy Act, which is, again, as, as, as Temba was talking about the South African experience, it's built around the European GDPR. This has also helped us to to be able to have um, some kind of effective legal and regulatory framework for us to be able to work safely within the cyberspace. Thank you. That's great. Well, and Temba, maybe you can share with us the various, I know in South Africa, we, you mentioned Muyowa earlier, the Papaya, the Protection of Personal Information Act. Are there any other laws that attendees and our panelists should know about that we have in South Africa for cyber crimes? So, so, so maybe let me just probably speak to the papaya act, the papaya that we have in the country, which was basically started. It was it was kicked off on the first of July, 2020, and what it actually allows us to do as organizations that process um, customers' personal identifiable information is, we've got a year to to basically comply with the act. And, 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 and the South African constitution in, in section 14 basically states that every South African has a right to privacy. And so with regards to that, when you look at the Poppy Act or the Popeye, section 21 of that, when it covers security breaches, it actually says that the operator of date, personal identifiable information must notify the, the owner of that information if there's a cybersecurity breach. And then section 22 then gives more information in terms of um, when are they notified, um, the method of notification, how, how quickly should they notify the subject, and, 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 and what sort of information is provided in that notification. You can't just say we suffered a security breach. You have to divulge more information so that the, the owner of the, 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 the personal identifiable information that has been leaked or, or breached has tools and means to, to actually come up with a way of ensuring that they do not suffer um, a, a major loss. 
So that is actually the, the Popeye or the, the Poppy Act. We also have the um, Cyber Crimes Bill, which has been handed to Parliament. And basically, this Cyber Crimes Bill um, will be the equivalent of the European GDPR, which is basically to start prosecuting crimes that have been realized. Previously, it was called the Cyber Security Crimes and Bills Act or something. And what they realized was the scope was too big to actually um, cover it well. So they have provided a reduced form, which is the Cyber Crimes Bill, which has been handed to Parliament. Hopefully, any time that bill can be passed and approved in Parliament. And I'm sure Temba might be able to say much more on this. So I'm going to stop here. Thank you. Just before we get to Temba, and he can answer that when we wrap up, I just see that we're running out of time. I've just been notified that we're running out of time. And we've got several questions from the audience. If I could just quickly ask one or two of the questions from the audience, and one of you could answer them. And then when you wrap up, you can wrap up with some of the case studies or uh, uh, successful case studies as far as implementation of cyber laws in your countries. So the first question that I see here is from Abubakar Zubairu, is that, uh, is there a policy for sharing cyber incidents between the relevant stakeholders by industry? I would imagine that this is targeted for each country. Temba, you want to go with that? Let me open that question again. The question is, is there a policy in South Africa for sharing cyber incidents between the relevant stakeholders by industry? Is there a what? No, not a law, a policy in place. Oh, yes, or a law, a you can call it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. in place for sharing cyber incidents. Because sharing cyber incidents. Between different stakeholders. No, no except what the, what the, what Moya has already mentioned that in terms of Popeye Act, if you've got the data breach, for instance, you've got a responsibility to, you know, to notify, to say, hey, we've got a data breach and everyone who might be affected should know that there's a data breach that has taken place and therefore they must be able to take some measures to protect themselves. Okay. And Peter, in Uganda, is there such a policy? Sorry, same answer. We, we don't really have a policy. I think right now it is the overarching laws around cybercrime and electronic transactions that bring all these players together to share data. And as a result, that can be an inhibition for some people who think or who feel certain information is too sensitive to be shared. So it can prevent the sharing of information in certain circumstances. Thank you. Okay. And Ashish in, in, in the UAE? Yeah, yes, absolutely. We have a policy in which uh, you know, the data breaches or data incidents have to be shared because there is a close coordination with law enforcement agencies in with regards to uh, these incidents and they have to be reported as information is all considered as government information so there is no uh, classification specific to uh, a government entity or a private entity level it's all called as shared confidential or shared sensitive information so yes there is data policies which everybody has to abide by okay and in wrapping up maybe we start with you ashish quickly in 30 seconds what are the, some of the successful case studies of implementing cyber laws in the UAE? Uh, there have been numerous ones. One of the very keys which I like to highlight is which many of the, I think the, 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 the countries have, you know, are short of, but we have done it in UAE. It's called as the Dubai's electronic biomedical device standard. <clears throat> and most of the places you are scared of touching the biomedical device because the cost is high, but the breach is also you know happen through these devices for patient information and we have developed this standard which is implemented 
and it's rolling out for all entities uh, which are related to healthcare. Uh, it's a very big step towards securing patient information through these devices. Okay, I think we we out of time. Our, apparently, our next speaker is already waiting. I would have loved to go on for ever on this topic, but unfortunately, we are out of time. And thank you very much to all of you in participating on this panel. And I hope it was very informative for our attendees. Thank you. Remember to tell your friends, family, and colleagues that the show is available to listen for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, or any other app that you use to listen to podcasts. Also, make sure to head over to www.iafrican.com forward slash radio. That is www.iafrikan.com forward slash radio and subscribe to get notified on new episodes of the Tech Legal Matters podcast and any other iAfrican radio show.